We did it. I still can't believe we got this project done so fast and so well. When I'm in New York. I'm in Chicago. And I'm in L.A. But we're making it happen in Miro. Together. Our best work just happens faster on Miro's collaborative online whiteboard. No more scheduling meeting after meeting for work that could happen from anywhere. Whether it's getting design feedback here, mapping timelines here, or brainstorming next steps here. It all just happens on the Miro board. Exactly. And it's nice not having to wait an entire day to get sign off from this guy. Hey! Well, it is true. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com. The first three boards are free forever. That's M I R O.com. Hi, everyone. Rich here with Pete alongside me as always. And we've got another Boys in the Band podcast episode coming right up. But we've just been tucking into a few beers from our sponsors, Beer 52. And we want to let you know about a special deal we've got for you guys as listeners to our podcast. Yeah, that's right. And if you fancy a free case of eight craft beers from Beer 52, just go to beer52.com forward slash band. All you have to do is cover the postage costs of $5.95. That gets you signed up to their beer club, the largest in the world with over 150,000 active members. And each month you send a case with a different theme, as well as a magazine and a snack. You can, of course, pause or cancel at any time, but it's well worth trying out. Yeah, definitely. Really enjoyable beers. I can highly recommend it. I've been enjoying the, the Buxton Brewery IPA this week. Oh, yeah. Very nice, Rich. Uh, 6.8% though. Strong stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. <laughs> that's <laughs> why you stuff. like it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was on the uh, bigger boat, uh, the uh, Hazy Pale from Vocation Brewery. Uh, nice yeah, and yeah. fruity. Not quite as strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit, a bit too heavy for you, that one, mate. Lightweight. But, uh, head on over to beer52.com forward slash band. That's B-A-N-D for your free case of beers. But for now, kick back and enjoy this next pod. Hello, Rich and Pete here, back with another bonus episode of the Boys and Band podcast and another My Naughty's number one entry. Yeah, and we've gone, well, right back to speaking to someone we spoke to right at the start of this podcast series. We, uh, we've caught up with Alfie Jackson from the Holloways. What was it, Rich? April, May time, I think I said to Yeah, it was April, podcast. pretty sure it was, it was about then, wasn't it? Yeah, because yeah. I think Holloways may be one of the ones we banked before we started even rolling out episodes. So, yeah, one of the very first ones that we got to speak to, a band that we both love, from back in the day, still love now. And um, we had Alfie and Bryn on back then talking about the Holloway story and that was great fun. We got Alfie back on the line this week to talk to us about his favorite album from uh, the noughties, from that first decade of the 2000s. And um, well, he's picked an absolute killer, if you excuse the pun, here he is. <laughs> okay, so on this week's My Noughties number one, it's Alfie Jackson from the Holloways who gets to make his choice of his favorite album from the uh, 2000s, from those first 10 years. Alfie, what have you gone for? Hello, mate. Um, I'm going for The Killers' first album, Hot Fuss. Good choice. I'm man. saying it's their first album. It was their first album, right? It was. It, it was a debut, yeah. Yeah. debut, yeah. What a debut as well. Amazing debut. It's up there, isn't it, with your definitely maybes, love the bracket. Just so, so many bands, so many great bands had amazing debut albums, don't they? It's a, it's a curious phenomenon. It's always hard to bear that first album, but I mean, they did go on to make loads of great music. But that was a really exciting one. That came out just as the Holloways were forming. So 2004, that was kind of the soundtrack. Right? 
Yeah, exactly. We, we we all met. When did I meet Bryn? Yeah, I, mean, I met Bryn in 2004. We got Rob July, August or something, 2004, I think. So yeah, that, that was the main album as we were forming. So it's got a very special place in my heart because all the songs remind me of being in my bedroom and making early demos of uh, B-Side, King's Cross Cutie, uh, making the decisions to put an A minor and a D minor in Lonely Face with Bryn in the, in the opening bars. All in my bedroom, just uh, in Tuffman Park. And Bryn lived over the road, funnily enough. It was, it was a weird coincidence, as everything was around there. But yeah, that was the album at that time. Yeah, incredible album. So many good tracks on there, for sure. Uh, I just seem to remember, my memory might be playing tricks on me in terms, in terms of the order, but just seem to remember the singles coming out on the radio and thinking, oh, this is good. And then like the next single will come a few months later. It's like, blimey, this is good as well. And like, they were really, really top songs. Like somebody told me, Mr. Brightside. They, and then I think it was a while before I actually heard all the things you've done. So sort of probably by the time the album came out and they were just, just absolute bangers all the way through. Yeah. So many good tunes. And they still, you know, they still get played on the radio. I mean, I, I live in Austria now and then they, they still get played on the radio out here. Mr. Brightside, somebody told me particularly um the opener's great as well jenny was a friend of mine yeah and the whole album just felt like a night out somehow it's one of those albums that seems to be just describing a scene of a of somewhere you're out somewhere whether it's in a car or it's in a club and so many of the songs seem to be putting you in a place and you know that's what we were doing at that time so it just really hit the spot and connected with what was happening at the time. Big time. I, I, just, I always, always remember uh, glamorous indie rock and roll. Just oh. that. When, it, when it just went, it's the indie rock and roll for me. It was just like, I could yeah. just, <laughs> I, it just takes me back to sit the belt in that out in a club, you know, arms around your mates. Like, yeah, it's indie rock and roll for me. That's yeah, this damn is right. exactly what it is. <laughs> that was it. I mean, that was, that was my, pretty much my anthem. It's so, such a great song. That's arguably my favorite song of theirs. Yeah, I'll tell you, probably was mine as well. It, it wasn't on the American version. Did you know that? No, really. Only on, it was only a bonus track in America on a vinyl, on vinyl. Crazy. Maybe they, they just wanted to ship shit loads of vinyl copies. <laughs> Maybe it was just really clever. I'm like, it's one of the best songs, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You're right, Rich. It's definitely, it's definitely, there's quite a lot of the tracks on that album that I sort of remember, yeah, playing in club nights or whatever. And it is definitely that sort of anthemic, isn't it? Grab your mate's sort of music. And it's yeah. um, got that thing element to it. I mean, that's one of the things they've, they've always been good at is they are anthemic. I mean, it's such a genius chorus in, in Somebody Told Me, you know, you're out in a nightclub and then you're, you're eyeing someone up and then someone says to you that someone told me they had a boyfriend that looked like you. <laughs> And that little turnaround of words saying he was a she or whatever, it, whatever the order of it is. It's just such a genius little hang on what's going on. I know that person. I always thought it was a really clever chorus. In terms of musically, Alfie, um, obviously, I know Brandon Flowers, you know, he was a big Oasis fan. I remember him saying they pretty much inspired him to get into music. But they obviously came on with synthesizers and things. What do you make of sort of their... They sort of, almost their take on that sort of Britpop sound with a bit more Las Vegas uh, sort of uh, synthed up sound to it. Yeah, I was I was refreshing myself because I hadn't listened to it, the album in, in ages, and I was having listened to it. And um, yeah, it's really interesting because at, at the time, 
I don't know if there really were any bands combining the such a dominant synth lines together with really dominant guitar riffs as well. Um, I mean, I, I can't think of many bands who are doing that. I mean, Suede perhaps uh, the, the, were one of the bands that I saw do that a bit, and Pulp were one of the bands that you know combined synths and guitars. And you you can really hear that they were inspired by sort of early '90s, mid '90s. Britpop indie stuff. When I was listening to it earlier, I was like, "Yeah, you can." I, I didn't notice it at the time, but listening to it now, I was like, "Yeah, they're clearly big indie Britpop fans." Were they a lot? Were they, I don't really know. Were they a lot bigger here than they are were in America? Per you know, as a percentage of people who listen to them, I don't know because they're perfect for a UK audience. I don't know what, yeah. what they were like in America. Yeah, they definitely did seem like one of those. Uh adopted US bands at that time. You know, the likes of them and Kings of Leon just seemed to break over here, I think, before they did in America, if memory serves me right. Um, I don't get me wrong, I think they are still pretty successful over there, but I think they definitely had their breakout moment in the UK. Right, yeah. yeah, just looking at the sort of the, the charts, they certainly certainly did pretty well out in America as well. They were right up there in the billboard. The Hot Fuss got okay. to seven in billboard. So, yeah, they okay. were certainly shifting uh, shifting some records over there. But, um, yeah, they, they definitely had that connection. And... Um, don't, Alfie, I don't know if you got to see them live at all, but um, Brandon Flower is just incredible showman. I, I saw them fairly recently at the O2. Obviously, they're a very polished band now, but I remember seeing them at the at Reading as well. And um, yeah, he's a he's a hell of a showman as a front man. Well, I remember my first. I think my first time I heard or saw them, I think, was on a Glastonbury live Glastonbury clips on the BBC. And I think they were doing. Somebody told me, and I just thought. This melody is amazing. He's got a really cool voice and a really unique stage presence because he, he doesn't, you know, he's quite clean cut, isn't he? He's not like a indie rock and roller. He's a very, yeah, Las Vegas. <laughs> I don't know, but he, I, he, I just remember he stood out and, and the song stood out and his voice stood out, you know, like any, any great band does when you first see them and hear them. I just thought everything about it was, I was hooked straight away. And it's not surprising they they shift numbers in America. Those, those songs on that first album, I mean, they're just they're classics, aren't they? Like I say, you still hear Mr. Brightside all the time. You still hear Somebody Told Me all the time. Still sound great. Yeah, definitely. And you know, anthemic is definitely the word for them. I think I I um seen them a few times. But one of the six in my memory was Live Eight, and obviously short set at Live Eight, just a few songs. But obviously with them, they just picked you know three or four of the best songs. I just remember I, I've got soul, but. Uh, I'm not a soldier, just being yeah. belted out at Hyde Park, just the, the the anthemic nature of that with the whole crowd singing along to that was just yeah, really, really special memory. Yeah, I mean, that is, again, another, like I said, they've got quite a few just such anthemic sing-along hooks, choruses and moments. I mean, that's not even a chorus, that's just like an outro middle eight thing they stuck in. But it's, yeah, it's great. I love all these things that I've done. So, I mean, it's just brilliant. The, the, First, it just comes in so gently. Yeah, and there's nowhere else to run. <laughs> then it's got that, na, 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 that really nice little proper old-fashioned songwriting melodic move there. And then, boom, boom, boom. Then it kicks in, and then, ah, oh, it's just great. I, I, I re really enjoyed listening to it earlier, the whole album, because I was like, God, I haven't listened to this in so long. And Jenny was a friend of mine. I forgot how good that opening track is. Yeah, there's a great little story as well in there as well, isn't it? It's a, it's yeah. a great storytelling. I 
Yeah, they're always very scenic. You always feel like you're in this this place with them. Yeah, it's a good band. So, Alfie, obviously, they've gone on to you know continued success. I guess sometimes the criticism that's labelled at their more recent stuff is that it's maybe a little bit by numbers or perhaps hasn't got sort of the, the heart and soul of what some other bands are doing. Do you think that's, you know, that's probably something that gets labelled a lot of big successful bands like I'm sure Coldplay get that sort of criticism as well. Is that something that just gets thrown around when you just become so successful there becomes a bit of jealousy? I think it's an inescapable uh, label that's going to get put upon anything that's been around for a long time. I think people just, you know, it, something can't stay fresh forever and you can't, when you first hear a voice, when you first hear a sound, that's always going to be the most, most exciting. The first time you see the girl you fall in love with is, is the, the wow moment. And I don't know the first time you tasted chocolate or, or whatever is anything that exciting is that first time. And it's hard to maintain that. I can't think of any bands who don't get sort of, oh, it's a bit by numbers. Or if they change too much, you know, you, you risk the, the chance of, of losing, losing the fans. I think it's a really difficult thing to, to keep reinventing yourself but staying true to what you are as well. Yeah, so you almost can't win, can you? You stay no. stay true to what you were, or evolve as a band, and you know do, do the same thing you always did, or you or you change and evolve, and you, you almost can't win either way. You lose fans all uh, one way or another. But I think as well with people like the Killers, there just seems to be that sort of thing where they get so big, they just kind of think, oh, it's not cool to like them anymore, and so they sort of they get hard with that kind of brush. Oh yeah, the Killers are naff, or whatever. Or didn't Coldplay get the same sort of treatment? And yeah. it's just not really fair, just because. Oh yeah, they are a really good band, and loads of people like them. So, what's that? Why does that stop so many people uh, liking them <laughs> for even longer? I don't know. I, I used to have this with people because I was a big Oasis fan as well. And when they got huge, it felt like a lot of people who were into them definitely maybe once they started getting bigger, they it's not cool anymore. I know. I think you know people want to be different, don't they? They want to be outliers and they want to be edgy and finding what's new and yeah being the same as everybody else doesn't make them feel like they're special or cool or the ones who have got the finger on the newest pulse but it's, it's kind of sad as well just in, just enjoy it you know just because someone else is playing the cd doesn't mean you can't, can't play yours so, yeah it's a funny one that yeah strange one um, Alfie, when we first spoke to you way back in April for one of our first pods, I think it was April, April, was May April? time, something like that. It was yeah, a long time ago, way down before we realised that we'd been <laughs> still doing Zoom calls and lockdown. Where are we? Oh, where Nine months later. Gone, yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, you were you know talking about potentially coming back and playing some shows later this year. So obviously all postponed. So not the year playing out quite how you imagined it, I guess. No, we got some bad news the other day because they were postponed until April 2021 and we found out that they're actually cancelled now. Oh. At the moment, there's not been another date, suitable date for everybody that everyone can agree on, Reverend and the Makers and Future Heads. So as it stands, they're, they're off. Um, hopefully that will change, whether it's, whether it's still with those guys or whether it's a different tour, still up for doing something, 
We'll is it a case see. of you got it in your head now that because I know that sort of tempted you? I know you, I remember Bryn saying on the podcast that you'd had some offers previously, but this one just felt like a right time, and you just thought, why not? And I guess even though it's been cancelled now, maybe it's just click something in your head that you actually want to give this a go. Yeah, I mean, I'm always up for doing stuff anyway. If I mean, it doesn't take much for me to be honest. It's <laughs> to be, you know, it, it's always better if it's bigger venues, more money. But I just love playing. It's, yeah, I can't, I've kind of always said yes. I'll probably say yes too easily to stuff. That's where to get back on that stage. Yeah, you know, I just, all it's ever about for me is playing the songs. And if you're connecting with one or two people, then I love that. It's great. So, you know, it's better, it's better than doing anything else. <laughs> yeah. Well, fingers crossed it does come together because, yeah, it was, we were yeah, really looking forward to those shows. The propaganda tour, wasn't it, with the Reverend and the Makers and the Future Heads and hopefully yeah. whether it's that or an alternative or something else uh, further down the line it'd be great to see see you guys back performing yeah hopefully hopefully we will i mean i've got i've been working on loads of music this year and i'm going to be doing a solo thing but i've also got a bunch of stuff that i think is also very holloways i need to have a conversation with Bryn and dave and see if if they want to get involved with with doing that and putting some stuff out i think i think the fans would be up for hearing anything that we we can put out so i don't know say there's there's material there i kind of need to focus on my own thing first i need to get that finished we're doing mainly co-writing that's what i do now co-writing with new artists and there's been a lot of stuff going on that so mine's got all these songs sort of waiting there to be recorded i've just finished building my house so that's been taking up a lot of time as well just getting the tiles in and flooring in the moment so i'm Get my studio treated and then and stop doing all buildy stuff all the time, being Bob the Builder, and uh, <laughs> go back to being Alfie the Songwriter full time. Sounds good. Knock my album out. Yeah, can't wait to hear it. And because uh, you're out in Austria, aren't you? But we were just saying, keeping up with uh, all things Leeds United. Now you're back in the Premier League as well. <laughs> Always keeping up with, with all things Leeds, even when we're in League One, unfortunately. It's just, uh, what can you do? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a blessing and a curse. It's been amazing the last couple of seasons but with Bielsa. It's just been absolutely brilliant. What I love the most is he's brought a sense of ethics and, and good humanity to the club. It's really important to him for everyone to be good people. And one of the first things he did when he got there was sent the players out collecting rubbish for a couple of hours. So he, he knew what it was like for real people, how much they had to do to actually earn enough money to buy a ticket to see them play. And he's, he's just a legend. He's got such a good spirit about the game and about life in general. And that seems to be running through the club at the moment. And, there's, you know, there's a lot in football now where, you know, gamesmanship and money and all the rest of it. There's, there's a lot that can kind of put you off football now. And I know a lot of people have fallen out of love with it. But since, since Bielsa's come in, like I said, he's instilled this good humanity in, into it all. It makes it so, so much more fun. And then the football we're playing is, is so positive as well. Yeah, it's been great the last couple of years. Yeah, and we're just starting to get fans. And we're just starting to get fans back as well in stadiums, aren't we? So, you know, there's even potential. I, don't, I know you come back to UK quite a bit, but maybe even before the season's out, perhaps get into a game. I don't know quite how quickly they'll be able to step up the attendances. It's just 2,000, isn't it, in Tier 2 areas at the moment. But, um, yeah, hopefully we're getting back to some sort of normality sometime soon. 
Yeah, fingers crossed. This vaccine will sort everything out and not be some anything of the conspiracy theorists. <laughs> all these conspiracies. It's, oh, it's exhausting, isn't it? Talking yes. about it, thinking about it, all the different. What about this? What about that? The one the other day was the guy, the guy from Amazon. What's his name? Bezos. What's he called? Yeah, yeah. He's behind it all. Think about how much his profits must have gone mental this year. Seriously. Absolutely. And not only this year, the knock-on effects on, on other businesses would have been negative. And more people have started using Amazon now and be thinking, oh, I'll keep doing this then. He's behind it, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I've got no idea. Every, I've got so few WhatsApp groups and, and my girlfriend's dad, you know, people just on about it constantly. I'm like, Everyone loves a conspiracy I don't really theory. care anymore. <laughs> yeah. It Wake me up when it's over. It does feel like that. Yes, fast forward till the end of this. Yeah. Good stuff, Alfie. It's been great catching up, mate. Thanks again for coming on. Um, no problem. And, uh, yeah, good to hear pleasure. about the new music as well. Good, good, that sounds really yeah, exciting for um, next year and beyond. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to do a chat about that when I've got some stuff ready. Yeah, for sure. I look forward to that. Get, get some uh, sneak sneak material to you. Sounds like good tea. So, what, what's the what's the latest with that? Where what stage are we at? You've sort of written the songs, but just not recorded them properly yet, or have you got a plan of yeah, when they I might mean, be rolled out? I've started putting basic demos down. I have a few. Um, but I was, I was going through my list the other day. It, it's quite a long list. Thing is that I write every day. I, I get up and start writing lyrics when I get up and just always coming up with ideas. And when I'm writing with other people, I've got ideas and I'm like, oh, this would be good, good for me or good for the Holloways, this bit. And yeah, there's a, there's a lot of hooks. There's a good chorus. There's a good verse. And there's, it's trying to go through it all and, and piece it all together. It's quite funny. I was thinking about this yesterday. Didn't used to have, you know, you had those little dictaphones with those little mini cassettes. Yeah. Mini discs as well. I remember playing, playing the first uh, Holloway demos like with King's Cross Cutie and a couple of others that I recorded on a little four-track thing. And, I record, and then I bounced it onto a mini disc and played them to where Forbes used to be on uh, Charing Cross Road. It used to be on Charing Cross Road where um, TK Maxx is now or something. Yeah, we had a coffee there and then I like, played them to on, on the minute disc. And I was thinking now, then you just had to write a song and perfect it and play it through till you remembered it. And now, because you can record so many notes and have so many ideas in apps, you end up with just a universe of plumbing songs. And it's just, it's quite <laughs> overwhelming trying to whittle it down. I was thinking maybe I need to sort of step away from recording every idea. Someone said any good ideas will always stick in your head mm. and you don't need to. The good ones will always come back to you. So I, I, it's a really famous song, I can't remember which one it was now. It's just hard to edit down, isn't it? I was yeah. just thinking while you were talking then about, um, you know, I guess it, it's just how these things move on. But when you were, you know, with Bryn and Dave, um, early days of the Holloways recording, yeah, I guess with so much excitement and such a buzz trying to record these songs as young, as young guys. And now sort of you're a bit older and as you say, you're building your house, you've got other things going on in your life. It's, it must be quite a different um, sort of process now, writing those songs and recording those songs to, to when you were younger. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Cause I, again, this, this reminds me of hot first because what was I using? I had a Cubasis 
It's like a light version of Cubase on, on my PC at the time. And I was, it's the first sort of songs I tried to do. At first I had the four track and then I went on to using the PC as, as Bryn and I were sort of forming, getting the rest of the members together. And um, the process now, you know, that, that was just something I had to try and do just to maybe get some ideas down when I was on my own. But once the band was up and running, I never did any home demos. You know, we just went to the studio and recorded them with uh, mostly with Tristan Ivermey, who did Frank Turner stuff as well. Um, he's doing a band called The Lottery Winners now. Do you know them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've got some good stuff. He's, he's working on a lot of their stuff. Um, but yeah, it's always really exciting going into the studio and having multiple input. When you're trying to, when you're trying to do everything yourself, it's, it's quite overwhelming in a way. You know, you're trying to write it play it, sing it, and then produce it all. And one way it's good because you can realise the vision, but I think it's always better having more ideas from other people and response, quick response. You figure out what's good and what's what, what you're missing quicker. It's quite, it's quite a task on your own. Yeah, I can imagine. Definitely a, a completely different challenge and even more so when it's a completely different time to what, what we're referring back to. But, uh, but yeah, we'll definitely look forward to that material when it, when it comes out, Alfie. So uh, thanks again for joining us today, uh, giving us your favourite album of the noughties, Hot Fuss by the Killers, a fine choice. And, yeah, uh, I mean... Look to catching up with you again. There's a few, there's a few big, big, big albums. I would say it was hard to, to choose. Yeah. But yeah, it's a pleasure. Pleasure, guys. Nice one. Nice one. Yeah, happy Christmas to you. Happy Christmas indeed. <laughs> yeah, and a better best of 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got it's got to be a good year, hasn't it? After after this one. So yeah, there you have it. Hot Fuss by the Killers. Obviously, a huge album from that decade, uh, and great to chat about that album with Alfie. So uh, thanks again to him for coming on. Yeah, exciting news about that new music as well, Rich. He was sort of yeah. just teasing us a little bit, wasn't it? He's got a bit recording. And yeah, even still, still got that Holloway's hat on a little bit as well, sort of. Yes. It's, clearly, um, it's clearly been a, a spark lit by that, um, by that offer to do those gigs with Reverend and Future Heads, which unfortunately don't look like they're going to happen now. But yeah, the, the prospect of the Holloway's back on stage some point in the future, not too distant future, would be great. Yeah. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed indeed. So yeah, thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribed and follow us across our social media channels so you don't miss out on our next episode. And we'll catch up with you next time. Bye.